uh, in order for something to be scriptural, like we're, you know, as Bible teachers, as, as Christians, in order for something to be scriptural in your life of what you believe, what do you need? Okay, everybody doesn't get that. In order for something to be scriptural, what do you need? Scripture. And in the New Testament, we need two or three witnesses. Uh, just so you get it, it's not too easy. It's not a trick question. In order for something to be scriptural, what do you need? I'm not going to go on until everybody says it. Uh, um, in order for something to be scriptural, what do you need? Scripture. scripture. And where does scripture come from? Well, how does it come from the written word of God? Right? And in the new covenant, you need two or three witnesses. Now, this is what I found. I learned this a long time ago. In everything in the body of Christ, there seems to be two ditches. There's an extreme on one side. Uh, you take prosperity, which we, uh, b the blessing of the Lord. Have people done wrong things with prosperity? In other words, have they taken it and run it off into a ditch? They absolutely have. They're greedy. They think about themselves. They think about their houses. God wants to bless you with that, but they're, they're, they're blessed to make themselves a blessing. They forgot the rest of the part. They're blessed to be a blessing. And they only care about themselves. So they're over there. And then you got the other side of the church is God doesn't want anybody wealthy. God doesn't want you to talk about money. Money's evil. No. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money is not evil. Amen. Because God wouldn't bless you with something that's evil. And so the other extreme is, and it's funny about those people in the ditch, you know what they're doing all the time? They're, they're, they're at a, a career or a job or a business trying to do what? Make something evil. Well, why don't they just quit it? Why don't they just quit it? What do we have? Poverty's a curse. Poverty's a curse. And yet, why did they get there? Because they saw a person in the ditch and so they ran into another ditch. Where's the best, where's the best place to be? In the middle of the road. Right? In order for something to be scriptural, you need scripture. In these last days, listen to me really carefully, be very careful, because the Bible talks about the last days, they will heap upon themselves teachers with itching ears. In other words, the itching ear people who don't want to hear doctrine, who don't want to hear scriptural, who want to just be entertained, who want to hear what they want to hear, will draw. I used to think it was the teacher problem, but really there's coming a time in the body of Christ when everybody's going to want their ear scratched. They're going to want to hear, and it is now. They want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be, um, they, they don't want to grow. They want to hear what they want to hear. Um, you have not come unto such a place as that here. You have not come here. That, that's not, you, I ain't scratching nothing. I'll scratch your head maybe with you sometimes when we say, oh, me, I got to grow up. But, I, but we're not, I'm not going to scratch your ears in that way. In order for something to be scriptural, you need scripture. And so, we're gonna, we're gonna, and so even more than ever, you, when you hear something, you gotta find, you gotta, when you're hearing something else, even, even when I'm preaching, we got to be like the Bereans. We got to go see what, what is the truth about it. They just didn't swallow it hook, line, and sinker. They, they took it and they found out what, what was written and is it the truth. Them used, mostly using Old Testament stuff, comparing it to what they were hearing, even with everything not written down yet. In order for something to be scriptural, you need what? I know it's easy, but listen to me out there. And then the Lord dealt with me this way, and I'm going to tell you, and so you can understand what I'm trying to do right now to help you and to help me. He's told me if I couldn't preach it in Zimbabwe... 
If I couldn't preach it in Poland, if I couldn't preach it in India, not to preach it in my pulpit because it's probably not the gospel. In other words, does God at times define things for a nation? Yes, but you can't always call it the gospel, the good news, the word of God that is able to save your soul and help you receive all the blessings of God, which are a yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So that'll just help some of you who are new understand why we do what we do around here. I really haven't changed much since 1993. The only thing I have more is more revelation today. I understand more today. We're doing more today. We're growing more today. God is doing good things today. But I, I want you to help me, and I want you to really dig in with me. And when you hear something, you, I want you to say to yourself, where's the word of God for that? And is that, are, are they taking a, are they cherry picking a verse, or are they taking it in context? Amen? Did it leave me with peace and joy and victory? Even if it's hard, you know, am I, am I able to overcome from what they said? Or did I come out feisty? Did I come out mad? Did I come out wanting to uh, somebody? Because the word of God, even correction, won't do that. Amen. It'll inspire you. Are you inspired? So that's my mini review of overall. Now we're talking about something the Lord uh, had me and Pastor Rada, we prayed out. I prayed out these words, sanctification and holiness. And I told you, I went back through all of my notes, uh, notebook A to Z, and there wasn't a whole lot. I mentioned some things here and there, but the Lord had me um, to, to minister on this. And so we start out with sanctification. But I want you to look with me. We're going to first start at Romans chapter 10. Are you all born again? How'd you get born again? Well, you know this, but um, in, in Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if the Lord shall, if you, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe something, where do you got to believe? In your cardia, in your heart, your center of you. And you believe in your heart what? That God has, now how many of you know that Jesus is the son of God? How, how many of you know that Jesus is good? How many of you know that Jesus went about doing good? And healing all that oppressed the devil. But I want you to see something very specific about this verse. How many of you know that Jesus went to a cross for you and took your sin? But in order to get born again, what do you got to believe? You got to believe one, you got to believe a thing. What do you got to believe? He's alive. What do you got to believe? He's alive. What do you got to believe? He was, yes, you, you need to know that he's the son of God. Yes, you need to know that he went about doing good. Yes, you need to know that he, he went about doing good and healing all. You need to know that everywhere he went, uh, he healed the sick, raised the dead. Yes, you need to know he went to the cross. Yes, you need to know he took your sin. But in order to get born again, you got to believe one thing, that he was raised from the dead. Everybody shout, Jesus is alive. Jesus. Woo, we can go home now. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. And you believe that in your heart and that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, in your heart, in your cardia, is where you believe unto something. And everybody leaves this word out. But you have to believe unto righteousness. There's really big words. Righteousness, sanctification, and holiness. Righteousness, sanctification. What is righteousness? Being made right with God, being put in the right position by God. How many of you know that uh, you are now in Christ Jesus? The old you has passed away. Behold, all things are new. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. What? And Jesus has been made unto you righteousness. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When did you get made righteous? When you got born again. Did you earn your righteousness? Can you earn righteousness? No. Can you act righteous? Yes. 
But can you earn it? Can you be it by acting a certain way? No. You beat it because you are it because of a belief in your heart and a confession you made and you believed unto right standing with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So your believing in your heart causes you to obtain righteousness. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were a sinner. You were saved by God's amazing grace. And now, come on, I want you to be bold about this. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Old things, they've passed away. Behold, all things are new. Come on, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When did it happen? When you got born again. And then what else happened when you got born again? Now, you may not have known this, and you may not have heard this one as much. But you became sanctified. You became sanctified. We remember what sanctification is. To set apart for the master's use. For the intended purpose. It says, um, um, I want you to, um, oh, I have so much to tell you. Um, let's look at, this is not in my notes, y'all. First uh, Corinthians. Um, Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 6. I wanted to do some review. I got a lot to do today. Y'all believing with me for utterance, how we're good. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 9, Amplified Classic. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, need your help. Uh, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Amplified Classic. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers, in the way of review, listen to me, will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, misled, neither impure, immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Y'all know what an idolater is? Y'all have to help me out. Y'all know what an idolater is? Put anything above God. I know adulterers. Do you know what an adulterer is? Those who participate in homosexuality. Y'all got that one figured out? Okay, keep going. No cheats. That makes it clear. No swindlers, no thieves. You notice after each one, there's a comma. He equates these. I know we don't, he does. I know he, he does, we don't. We think one is worse than another. These are commas. Nor greedy graspers, nor drunkards nor foul-mouthed revilers and slanderers, nor extortioners and robbers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. That's not the good news. The good news is in chapter 11. I mean, verse 11. It says, and such were some of you. Listen to me. That means it's very, there's a distinction here. Such were some of you. So that it doesn't mean you're, when you get born again, you don't have to be any of those things ever again. Don't let anyone talk you out of that. Don't let anyone tell you that you, you know, some people just are adulterers. Some people are just swindlers. It's just their personality. Such were some of you. So if you were that, and he says you, you used to be that, that means you can get out of each and every one of those. You can get out, it, it, such were some of you. He's talking to believers. You were that, but you don't have to be that anymore. That means there's a way of escape for everything listed there. Period. End of story. So says God. So says God. I don't care what anybody else says. So says God. But you were once, 
You were washed clean, purified, complete atonement for sin, made free from the guilt of sin. So even you're free from that guilt. And you were consecrated, set apart, hallowed. You were justified, pronounced righteous. When did you get pronounced righteous? When you were born again. You were some of those, but you ain't no more. Old things have gone away. Behold, you are new. Everybody shout, I'm sanctified. Woo! I'm set apart. You were justified, pronounced righteous by Hallelujah. You were justified. You're, You're sanctified. You were pronounced righteous by trusting in how? In the name of the Lord Jesus. When you trusted in, when you got born again, you were made righteous. You were sanctified. You were set apart. Hallelujah. All right. Glory to God. And you were at the same time, you were made holy. Now, I know in this one, we are like, okay, I can maybe get the sanctified. I, I get the being made righteous. But, Pastor, you don't know me. I, I got to work on my holiness. Well, let's work on it. Hallelujah. Let's work on it. Um, hallelujah. Everybody shout. Let's see. Let's look at this one. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Uh, j- just because you know it's true, everybody say, I'm holy. I'm holy. Woo. It's a little tougher, huh? Ephesians 1, but it's true. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. According to he has chosen us in him. Chosen us in him. Are you in him? When did you get in him? The moment you got born again. You didn't know you got in him when you were born again. You're just trying to miss hell and make heaven. You're just trying to reject. You, you were done rejecting Jesus, and you believed that he was alive. Right? But at all that time happened, you made, got made righteous, you got made, you were sanctified, and you were holy. Come on. That's a gift. That's a gift. By grace are you saved through faith. So you can say it this way. By grace I've been made righteous. By grace I've been sanctified. By grace I've been made holy. That's God's side of it. What's my side of it? It was simply to believe in Jesus that he was raised from the dead. And then to have an understanding, then you got to get enlightened because if the devil can keep you in the dark in your righteousness, in your sanctification, and in your holiness, it will cause struggle in your life. You will see yourself wrong if you don't see yourself in him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, according to has chosen us in him before the foundation, before the foundation of the world. That's before you were in the womb. That we should be holy. He chose you before the foundation of the world that you would be holy. What is that? Consecrated, dedicated, set apart. He's holy. You're holy. He has predestined us to be adopted as the children of, by Jesus Christ to himself according to his good pleasure and of his will. To the praise and glory of his grace. We didn't go on before, but verse 6 says, to the praise and glory of his grace. So by grace, I have been saved through faith. By grace, I have been made righteous through my faith in that Jesus is alive. By grace, through faith, I have been uh, um, sanctified. By grace, through faith, I have been made holy. Hallelujah. So he is, we looked at this, but he is holy. And he has made us, 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16, but as which he has, who has called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Would you all agree the Lord is holy? But would you agree you're holy? Come on. Do you agree the Lord is holy? You're holy. Hallelujah. All right. So we left off. We left off. But I want to I look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Y'all will be back next week, won't you? In case I don't get done. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. And I need this in the New Living Translation. God's will is for you to be holy. There it is again. What's God's will for you? Right? What, what does it mean to be holy? It means uh, the state of being holy, purity, has integrity, moral character, freedom from sin, sanctity. Applies to human beings, holiness is purity of heart or disposition, sanctified affections, purity, moral goodness, but not perfect in oneself. God's will for you is to be holy. Everybody say it again, I'm holy. Now just gets real plain here. So there's a God side. Who made you holy? God. Are you holy? Now there's an action. To, there's always a God side and a man side. In order for something to be scriptural, you need scripture. The problem with most people when it comes to holiness and sanctification, if they start on their side first. And I told you about growing up in my hometown, small town. One of the strongest churches was a certain church where the women all had uh, hair to the, to the heavens. Um, dresses that covered their neck and down to their, and, and, and most of them that I knew were miserable. But if you had a bobby pin in your hair all day long, I th- I, I've seen one of those things. We use them for, I use them for something else different. But, but they had the, if you stick them in your hair all day long, that would hurt. And it's funny to me that the men could dress any way they wanted to. And, 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 and so I think, and these, these women were very judgy. I don't think they meant to be, but they were seeing themselves as holy, and why don't everybody else be holy? You say you love the Lord, but I love the Lord, and I'm told to look like this all the time, and I got bobby pins in my hair and, 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 and you know, hairspray and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and you're, if I have to be holy, you should be holy. And yet that is something that man made up, taking some scripture out of context to try, listen to me, with all their heart, try to please God. But you cannot please him in the flesh. And you cannot misinterpret Scripture because you have to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And, and so they misinterpret some Scripture and laid it off on um, half of the population. And it wasn't, it's, it's not right. But when you think of holiness then, you begin to, if you try to do things in your flesh to be holy, you'll never be holy. Because it ha- every, work out your salvation doesn't mean you get to pick it. Well, I just believe this is being saved. No, no, that's not what it means to work out. It means it starts internally in the cardia, in your spirit, and it works into your soul. It then begins you to make you do something with your body. It causes you to act a certain way, talk a certain way, do a certain thing. That's how you work out your salvation from the inside. In the old covenant, they tried to do things outwardly to, to, to change themselves inwardly. But Jesus says what's on the inside of a man that makes him pure or not pure. Right? And so that's why, that's why he did it. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you're saved? God's will is for you to be holy. So because you're holy now, what should you do? Stay away from all sexual sin. That's anything outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. Married by a preacher. Verse 4. Then each of you will control, oh, somebody, if you got married by a judge, it's still good. Hallelujah. Then each one of you will control his, I can hear you talk sometimes. Then each one of you will control his own body. You see, each one of you, uh, so it's not my job to control your body. It's not my job to control Pastor Rhonda's body. It's not her job to control my body. You can't. Now you can control your children a little bit, but each one of you should control his own body and live in holiness and honor. 
What do I got to do? I got to take my position from holiness and I got to begin to control my own body. Well, wouldn't that set us apart today? Wouldn't that set us apart if a group of people start living in holiness by controlling some things? Pray, praise. And remember, you can't, the other thing is you can't control somebody else's body. You can only control your own. Five. Hallelujah. Five. Not in the lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. They can't do it because they don't know God because they're not holy. Willpower cannot replace God power. We're not talking about willpower. You can have willpower after you get God power, but you can't have willpower to work if you don't have any God power. It won't work for a long time. Okay, verse 6. Never harm, this is interesting, or cheat a fellow believer. What's he talking about? He's talking about sexual impurity. So you and I are never to harm a fellow believer in this manner by violating his wife. This is serious right here. The Lord will himself will avenge all such sins. Well, if you ever got one of them, guess what the blood will do, though? It will cleanse you from it, and you can get out of the penalty of it if you'll acknowledge it. As we have solemnly warned in here. Yeah, we'll keep going. However, verse 7, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. All right? So how do we got to do it? We're going to put it on. Everybody say, put it on. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. 22 through 24, that you put off concerning the former conversations of the old man. So you got an old man with an old nature. What is that talking about? That's pre-Jesus. That's B, that's before Christ. Before Jesus, you had an old nature. What do I talk about natures? Birds, what do they do? They fly. Make messes on my car after I cleaned it. But anyway, birds fly. Fish do what? Dogs. Cats. We don't understand them. Anyway, so what they do is because of their nature. But sinners do what? That's why you're not a sinner anymore if you're saved. Call yourself what God calls you. Amen? Yeah, but I'm not perfect. Well, you'll never get there. You'll never mature. Perfect is an interesting word. But you'll never mature until you start calling yourself what God calls you. Put off, but so with that, then I got to put off the uh, concerning the former conversation of the old man. So the soul and the body didn't get born again, just your spirit. So you got to then begin from your place of holiness. You got to begin to act holy. You got to begin to do what? Put off. Put off. It's like this coat. I can put it off or I can take it on. So I got to put off the old nature. It's so. I was, you, we were some of those former things, but how do we quit doing those? Well, put on the new nature. Realize who you are in Christ, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. Verse 23 says, and be renewed. How are we going to do it? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You're never going to put on the new nature until you get into the word of God. You're and how, should, how are you going to get in the word of God? Well, you come on Sunday mornings. But you know what? You should, if, if, especially if, this, if I'm your pastor, if we're your pastors, you should be re-listening to the word that we, that we bring you here. You sh it's everywhere. You can YouTube it. You can, you can uh, I, I don't know all the ways. Uh, th there's no more cassettes. There's no more CDs hardly. Uh, but this new way, I've even had the staff help me with Spotify. That's a, new advent that's a new thing for me. I love it. Hallelujah. So you can listen to it all. But you need to re-listen to it. If this, if this is where you get your mail, then you need to re-read your mail. I'm not just talking about personal prophecy. 
If this is where God has ordained you to get your mail, you should re-listen to your mail. And then you should also extend it to other people who feed you. How do you renew your, your mind? Well, then you should also read the Word of God, and then you should do, take the next step, and you should study the Word of God. How often should you do that? Well, how many meals, uh, 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 regular food do you eat a day? I, I think I eat five or six. But anyway, so, so I, if i got to keep up with that, hallelujah. They're small. Um, I don't. Right? So you got to keep feeding yourself. If you want to walk in your new nature, how do you put on the new man? The new man is found in the mirror of the Word of God. The new man is washing yourself in the Word of God. This is how you put on the, how do you put on the new man? Well, you fellowship with him by praying, by praying in other tongues, by worshiping God, by meditating on him and meditating on his word. You get renewed to who you are. You look at who he said you are in this mirror. It'll reflect back to you who you really are. And as you look at it, it'll cause you to adjust some things you need to get rid of in your life. So this mirror is twofold. It causes, when I look at it, it reflects who I'm supposed to be. And then it also tells me when I have spinach in my teeth and I need to get it out. Right? Verse 24. And that you put on the new man. Everybody say, put it on. on. Well, I thought that happened when I got born again. No, you were created in his likeness and image. You were made righteous. You were sanctified. You were made holy. But you still got, there's a God side. That's God side. That's grace. You can't do it. You can't do that. But there is your side. And even when you find out God's side, it's not enough then to say, well, then I don't have to do my side. No, you, there's a positional truth, and then there's a truth you got to walk in. And this is where i got to walk. Put on the new man. Come on, say it again. Put it on. Tell your neighbor to put it on. Aren't you glad they put on clothes today? Aren't you glad they put on clothes today? Well, in the same way, if you don't put on the word of God, you, you, you are <laughs> you're naked in the spirit, and you are open for the devil. Put some clothes on, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So when I put on the word of God by renewing my mind, when I put on the word of God by confessing the word, when I put on the word by washing myself in the word of God, when I put on the word of God by looking into the mirror and and it reflects back to me and also I can change some things that are going on in my life. When I I read the word of God, when, when when, when when I look at those daily bread things that Pastor Mark labors over so that I can have them, when I look at those and I put them on a scripture a day will help keep the devil away. Meditate on it. But then I don't stop there. If I really want to grow, i got to study the word for myself. There is no excuse for our generation. There's no excuse for our generation. It's in your phone. Come on. You, it's there. Hallelujah. Go to Bible Hub and it will help you with everything. Hallelujah. Whatever. Okay. Colossians 3. Y'all good? Everybody say, I'm holy. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in, say, I'm going to walk in holiness. It says, having, and having clothed yourself with the new spiritual self. You got to put on your clothes. Which is ever in the process, ever. In other words, um, uh, going through Bible Institute for two years is not the end of my renewal process. It's just the beginning. 
which is the ever, I'm ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into fuller and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge after the image, the likeness of him created me. So when I get into the word, I'm be, Jesus, the, the word of God says, God says about himself, my ways are higher than your ways. Is that true? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But he, he didn't say this, though, but you can't understand me. He said, no, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, but I've revealed them. Come on, if God wrote it down, then you need to know what it is. Hallelujah, verse 11. In this new creation, all uh, distinctions vanish. <laughs> I can stop preaching on this one right now. There is no room for, and there can neither be any Greek or Jew. In other words, table your nationality. Circumcised or uncircumcised, we'll just skip. Nor difference between nations, whether alien, barbarians, or Scythians, who are the most savage of all, nor slave or free man, but Christ is all and all and everything and everywhere to all men without distinction of person. In other words, once you get in Christ, you all just became equal. You're all brothers and sisters, and you should let go of all other identifications. Those are secondary, thirdary, fourthary, fifthary. Your number one identity is found in Christ. And if it's not in this earth, it'll get you in trouble. You'll act like the rest of them. You'll talk like the rest of them. You'll be mean like the rest of them. Verse 12. Clothe yourself, therefore, as God's own chosen. Clothe yourself. It's there again. Everybody say, I got to put clothes on. Spiritual clothes, right? His own picked representatives who are purified and holy. Everybody say, I'm purified and holy. How? After you put your clothes on. After you put your spiritual clothes on. How do you get your clothes on? Renew your mind. Who are purified, holy, and well-beloved by God himself by putting on behavior. Oh, now, now he's getting more specific. Now I just don't put my clothes on. I got to put on certain behavior that is marked by tender-hearted pity. So how can I tell that I'm putting on the clothes that he wants me to put on? Well, you're wearing some tender-hearted pity, some mercy. I got kind feelings. When, when I've got my clothes on for holiness, remember I said you cannot separate love from holiness. God is love. God is holy. Didn't say God is power. He displays his power. God is love. God is holy. Be holy as he is holy. Walk in love as he is in love. Hallelujah. Be so I'm wearing some tender-hearted pity. I have some mercy. Now that pity there is not southern pity like we have in the, in the south. Bless their darling heart. No, it's not that. It's, it's like this mercy, this um, conscious effort of we were once there. I don't forget where I was and, I'm not, and I understand where you're at, but you can get out of that. Kind feeling, low opinion of your, oh, what? A lowly opinion of yourself. Let's mark that one out. Gentle ways. No, we have to have a, you know, consider others better than ourselves. That's holiness. Esteem them. Praise the Lord. Gentle ways. Patient, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with a good temper. In other words, when I'm waiting patiently, I'm not letting everybody know I'm waiting patiently. Because you ain't waiting patiently. If you have to go up to the person that you're sitting there and you say, I'm trying to be patient, but when, when, you're not being patient. If you're letting everybody know you're being patient, you're not patient. I, you know, it's like with spouses. I love this. You know, honey, I'm trying to be patient with you. No, you aren't. You just told on yourself. 
If you have to announce your patient, you're not. Praise the Lord. Discuss at home. Verse 13. Verse 13. Be gentle. Talking about holiness. Be gentle, forbearing with one another. And if one has a if one has a, one has a what? A difference, a grievance or complaint against another, readily pardon each other. That's holiness. Even as you got to put it on. Even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, you must all, there it is again, that love walk that he expects us to do. Verse 14. Hallelujah. And above all these, in case you didn't get it, put on love and enfold yourself with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. He is talking about holiness and love. You cannot separate the two of them. God is love and God is holy. If you're going to be holy, you're going to have an attribute about you of walking in love. Thank God the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Verse 15. And let peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule. Act as an umpire, continue. Let it call balls and strikes in your life. If your heart's deciding and settling uh, with finality, all questions that arise in your minds, in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ, one body, you were called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God only, uh, always. Now let me tell you this one. So our part. Uh, I like this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I quote these a lot when I'm preaching because that meant so much to me. It says, know you not that you are the temple of God and, that you're, and the spirit of God dwells within you. Verse 17, if any man defile the temple of God, he sh him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is, the temple of God is, the temple of God is, in the, you know, when Jesus was on the earth, he went into the temple. And one of the only times you saw him get irritated was when he got some cords and he drove all the money changers out. Because he said, you made the Father's house, which is holy, uh, basically, you made it into a den of thieves. In other words, uh, so today, God doesn't live in things made by man's hands. So one of the things that will help you is my temple, your body, you got to look at it as holy. You know, we used to sing back in the day, this is holy ground. I'm standing on, you could say this, I'm living in holy ground. See yourself as the temple. And the temple is what? Holy. My mamma said. Mamma said. She called me by her name. She called me. And then she said, now you're the temple. And everywhere you go, Jesus goes with you. Can you take him there? Well, that'll mess a teenager up. <laughs> or keep him right. Everywhere you go, Jesus goes. Can you take him there? Can he watch that with you? Can he post that with you? Can he read that with you? Can he discuss that with you? Hallelujah. A little bit of meat, a little filet mignon. You got your steak knives out. This is real Christian living. This is scriptural. I have, I've given you more than two, more than three. Holiness, then there is an action which's on our part. Have we all achieved it? No. Are we growing in it? Yeah. So don't believe, so, well, I'll never be that. Well, that's just wrong. That's the devil on your shoulder lying to you. Because you are holy. Because you are holy. Now it's time to put some things on.
It's time to renew your mind. You know, the best place you can be holy is in your own home. How you treat your spouse. At work. Well, there's a good place to see if you got some holiness in you. If you deal with customers. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm holy. Said the temple of God. Said the temple of God, which is me, is holy. This is holy ground. Amen. Romans 13, 14. Giving you lots of scripture. But put you on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what 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 am I saying there? So when you put things on, you're going to put on Jesus. Where are you going to put him on? You're going to put him on your flesh. Like you would clothes. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God is holy. I'm holy. It, it is a truth from the word of God. It is settled truth. I am holy. Now I've got to put on what I need to put on. Okay? So now we can get into the fun stuff that we'll have to... Uh... Let me remind you of this and then we'll pick up here next week. Who knew a person could preach more than one week on holiness? Not me. But I'm going to. I want to get this in you. Listen, when the Lord does stuff like this, it's always a setup. It's always a setup for something he wants to do. When he's trying to get certain doctrine into you, a certain word into you, along righteousness, sanctification, holiness, it's because, and I think it's, it's because, a lot of it's because of this, these verses that I want to get you. Hebrews chapter 12. Remember we talked, we touched on it last time. And since you're not currently yet excited, we'll just do some more. Hallelujah. Yeah, they need some music, Dapo. They, they need some help. Give them something joyful. Hallelujah. Uh, Hebrews 12, you go through verses 1 through um, 9, and it talks about God correcting us. And it says that that correction doesn't seem pleasant for the moment, but what does it do? Verse 10, for they verily, talking about natural fathers, for a few days chasing us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be what? Say that loud, partakers of his holiness. So when God corrects you, he loves you. I don't know about you, but he loved me a whole lot. Does he love you? I told you this, and I mean it with all my heart. If God ever quits correcting you, then you got yourself a problem. Whenever he lets sin just go, then you've got yourself a problem. When he quits dealing with your attitude, then you've got a problem. When he quits dealing with your mouth, then you've got a problem. When he deals with you, he loves you. Now, this is what I've learned about him. He doesn't always deal with all of us the same thing or the same way. And remember, you're nobody else's Holy Ghost. There's no uh, ministry in the body of Christ called the correction ministry. It is, your not, it is not your job to correct people. Usually you can tell what God is, is dealing with a person about, what they're trying to correct everybody else about. Or what sin they're dealing with. How they, you know. But listen, God loves us and so he does what? Why? Because he wants us to be partakers of his holiness. Why? 
Now, no chasing in his present that seems joyous. No chasing for the present time seems joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields a peaceable fruit of, oh, there's that word, righteousness. Unto them which are exercised thereby. Whereby lift up the, okay, so he said, now listen, don't get down. He said, now lift up your hands, which hang down. And, and, and come on, get your knees strong. Understand what he's doing. Get your hands up. Get your knees set. Why? And make straight paths for your feet. Why? He's changing some things for you because he's wanting to make straight paths for your feet. That the lame be turned out of the way, but it rather be healed. Follow peace. Follow peace with all men. Now you got to make up your mind. I ain't getting out of love with nobody. I, I'm not getting out of love. Follow peace with all men. Remember I said it. Put on your hunting clothes. Go hunting after peace with everybody. Because as for me, I'm going to walk in peace with you. I'm going to walk in love with you. I don't know how you respond. I don't, I don't really, it's not up to me how you respond. But as for me, I'm going to walk in peace and holiness. That's a conjunction. I'm going to walk in peace and love and holiness go together. Which, um, without which, no man shall see the Lord. And then later on you go down, it's talking about coming into his holy mountain. Listen to me. It's, God is righteous. God is holy. And he says, if you want to see him, I don't believe that's talking about when we get to heaven. If you want to see him right now, if you want to see him right, how can two walk together unless they agree? I don't know what about you, but I was born for this moment. I was born to see the glory of God poured out. I was born to see the power of God in manifestation. I was born for this season. And I know what time it is. Jesus is coming for a glorious church. This is the end of my message, and I'll go back and pick it up. But Ephesians 5.27. Ephesians 5.27. The very last scripture that I have there. It says that he might present it to himself a what kind of church? What is the glorious church? It's a church with the glory of God on it. It's a church with the Shekinah on it. It's a church with the power on it. It's his glory and manifestation. Remember in the old covenant, they were all in unity in one accord and said, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And then a cloud came in and, and thank God even the priests all fell out and they couldn't talk no more. Everybody fell out and, and the power of God was so strong. If he did that in the old covenant, thank God for the new covenant. The glory of God lives on the inside of you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, what, what's he coming for? So the church is not going out weak and wimpy. We're not going out defeated. When Jesus comes back for us, there will be a glorious church on the earth. What is that? A church with the as the waters cover the sea. So the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth. Come on, there's just water on sea. It's supposed to be there. There's just supposed to be glory on the church. We're not supposed to be natural. We're not supposed to be dry. We're supposed to be seeing the power of God in these last days. Then he presents himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be, that it should be what? What is that? Well, we got to do everything right. No, you got to understand who you are. I am holy. He made me holy. I've been sanctified. I've been set apart for the master's use. I've been made righteous. I am holy. What's he coming for then? He's coming for a church that has a revelation of their holiness in God that it was wrought by Jesus Christ. And the church that is putting on holiness, putting on their clothes, and acting in this way. Not perfect. 
We're, we're growing. We're maturing. We're walking towards that every day. We're learning some things. We're, we're letting him correct us so that we can produce a fruit of holiness. But what's he coming for? Well, he's coming for and what he's going to get is a holy church. He's coming for a holy church. What is that? A church full of love. A church full of peace. A church walking in the will and the wisdom of God and the word of God. A scriptural church. A, a, a church, but mostly a church of love. Presence of God. There's no envy, there's no strife. Why? Where there's envy and strife, there's every, this is big, every evil work. Keep strife out of your home. Keep it out of your business. Keep it out of your life. Keep it out of your office. Keep it out of your car. Keep, and, and, we, and we are definitely keeping it out of the church. Amen? God is a God of peace. Didn't say he was a God of always quietness. Sometimes he's kind of rowdy. But what he is, is a God who is holy. Amen? And he's turning us. He's changed us. I'm sanctified. I'm holy. I've been made righteous. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. I'm not trying to be it because I'm born again. That's who I am. That's who I am. And then daily, what am I going to do? I'm going to put on. I'm going to put on bowels of mercy and kindness. I'm going to walk by the love of God shed abroad in my heart. I'm not going to listen to things that will irritate and agitate me. I still got people trying to make me listen to stuff. And I don't know if you haven't figured it out by now. I ain't listening. You can keep bringing and you can keep whatever. I ain't listening. I have too much to believe for. I got too much to go on. I got too much to preach. I cannot be concerned about things that, um, that, that are going to irritate and aggravate. Well, Pastor, you're just putting your head in the sand. No, I, like I told you last week, I'm putting my head in the book. You can put your head wherever you want it, but I'm going to put mine in the book. And you know what I've done? It's just simple. You know, uh, my spiritual father moved to heaven. And it wasn't long ago the Lord said to me, uh, it's like my natural dad, he moved to heaven like seven years ago. You know, I didn't trade him in, my dad, natural dad. I didn't try to get a new dad. Not going to get a new dad. He'll always be my dad. And when, you know, when my spiritual heaven went to, when my spiritual father went to heaven, people were getting new dads. And, and we decided we don't need a new dad. We, we still have the same dad. And you know what the Lord just made me do and somebody helped me? Um, I have just been going back and a and, um, couple hours a day just listening to him. And it's, it has done something in me. I don't know what took me so long. But the spirit of faith that's on his life got on my life. And, and one of the things that Brother Kenneth E. Hagin was known for was more his love walk than anything. You know, he wasn't a perfect man, but he's real good. <laughs> and I appreciate him. I'm just stirred up, and I want you to have everything that God has for you. And if the Lord has given us these words, then there's purpose in it. There's purpose in it. Everybody say, I've been made righteous. I am sanctified. I've been made holy.